Hello, welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. Summer is slowly approaching. It's pretty incredible that it's already towards the end of April, but May is just around the corner. And as we enter the summer months, all of the major watch uh, auction houses are hosting their um, watch auctions in Geneva. So today I'm going to be going over some of the uh, lots that I, I that kind of caught my eye from the major watch ha- houses, those being Philips, Anticorum, Christie's, and Sotheby's, and sort of going over some of the pieces that they have um, have have found for their um, watch auctions that are going to be taking place in Geneva. There's a lot of really great variety, and I think there are some standout watches that are pretty exciting to to go over. Um, there are a couple highlights that I think are, are very exciting that we're going to see. And we'll kind of give an idea of sort of where the the watch auction market is right now. Um, interestingly, the economy is in a very interesting place. And um, I think the watch auction, the pulse on the watch auction market is always great to t- sort of take during this, this time. Um, it was quite interesting. I was listening to um, Significant Watches, the Significant Watches podcast. Shout out to Significant Watches. What you guys are creating is really incredible and I, easily one of the best podcasts out there. So if you are not following Significant Watches, um, be sure to check that out. But it was quite interesting to hear sort of their perspective on the auction calendar. A lot of the times what they were saying is, you know, you have these you have the auctions in obviously Geneva, Hong Kong, New York. But what's interesting is a lot of the times, by the time you get to the New York watch auctions, sometimes you're spent, sometimes the collectors are sort of spent out by the time the New York auctions roll around. And so um, looking at the pieces in Geneva, it can be telling kind of, and it it can be telling in, in the idea that like, you know, these are watches and a lot of people are probably going to try and get their hands on. So, um, I'll stop sort of rambling for this intro and I'll sort of jump straight into the first uh, auction house that we'll cover and that is Philips. So Philips will be hosting their Geneva watch auctions from the 13th to the 14th of May uh, next month. Oh, and by the way, I'll put links in the uh, show notes of this of this podcast if you want to take a look at each of the lots as I talk through them. Um, I'm going to put links to every single one of them that I, that I go through. So as I said, Geneva, the Geneva watch auction for Philips is going to be taking place on the 13th and 14th of May. They've got a real, a real great selection of, of pieces. I've put a couple of them on our, on the Life Nurse Instagram. So check those out. I think most recently I posted a really cool 2526 in platinum. Um, it's one of 24 known platinum examples of the 2526. What's really cool about this one is it actually has diamond uh, hour markers. I'm not sure if that is actually what the manufacturer what this watch is manufactured with. Um, there is an, an, another enamel dial that it does come with, and I can, I, I don't know, but it might, that might be the original dial and the platinum hour indice dial is, might be a replacement, but at least you have the original 2526 um, enamel dial. So that's something I posted on Life in the, on the Life in the Wrist Instagram, but the first watch that I wanted to talk about um, that's taking pl- that, that is being auctioned off is lot 206. It's an Ottawa Piguet, Reference 831, which is a very, very rare yellow gold chronograph with full calendar. Automa Piguet complicated pieces are very rare to find on the market. I think we've talked about these and uh, about Automa Piguet complicated pieces and just Automa Piguet vintage watches in general are very difficult to, to find. But this reference 831, as I said, is a 18 karat yellow gold 
full calendar with chronograph um, watch from 1943. It's 33 millimeters in diameter, so um, it's on the smaller side for many collectors. 33 millimeters for some is a sweet spot, for some is a little bit too small. But the rarity of the, this complicated piece is um, pretty incredible. And it's really nice to see um, this type of watch being sourced um, for, for this auction. If I look at the pictures of this piece, um, the, the lugs look fairly sharp. I think there might be some polish, but, uh, polishing, but in general, this watch is in fairly good condition. The dial has a really nice sort of yellow hue. I think it is, it is a little bit of patina on it, um, which is quite nice. It is kind of interesting to see this watch is from 1943, but then the subdials that indicate the month and the day of the week are pretty white. And I don't know if it's the difference in the the materials used for those subdials, but that is something to to call out. Nevertheless, this watch is really beautiful. You have the month, the moon phase, the day of the the week. It really is, and the and then at 12 o'clock you have the the date. Um, it really is a beautiful piece, and it's so exciting to see and a vintage automobile Pige come to market. I'm very curious to see what this watch ends up going for. One of the watches that I did feature on the podcast uh, on the on the Life in the Wrist Instagram page is Lot Twenty Two um, from Phillips, which is a reference 1579, which is um, a yellow gold uh, 1579 with spider lugs and brigade numbers that are uh, i believe painted onto the dial um this is super a super super i think very very rare i think many people are saying that this example might be um might be unique um it's it's basically the perfect storm of everything you would want a 36 millimeter chronograph from Patek Philippe 1579 with brigade numbers, blue blue hands, um, per, in my opinion, a really unique and um, historical piece um, from from the company. Dial is in really great condition. Um, the the patina is pretty even. There is, if you look at sort of at four and five o'clock, maybe just a little bit more over on that side. But overall, the the, the watch looks really really um, the dial looks really great. The case is also really strong, in my opinion. Doesn't look like there was a ton of polishing on this, um, on this watch. So overall, it's in it's in really cool, cool sort of, in my opinion, original condition. There is a little bit of oxidation on the side of the case, which I think is also really nice. Gives the the case a little bit of a different warmth. I love oxidation on case on on gold cases, which is probably why I'm calling that out. But another really nice piece from them. A personal favorite, if you know me and know life on the wrist, is the Chocolatone from Vacheron Constantin. There is a reference 6440, which is lot 91 from 1961. This is a time-only Chocolatone with the automatic movement. This was after they moved away from the the um, manual wind movements. If you don't, if you haven't seen on our website, we've covered on life on the wrist. We've covered the Chocolatone's history. Um, a really exceptional example and um, uh, a nice a nice opportunity to get these pieces. The case kind of looks polished on this one. I'm not positive, but it kind of does. Um, I haven't seen this in the flesh. It would be it'd be helpful for me to see it in the flesh. But overall, uh, the watch is really really strong. I think the 
dial is also in, in, in pretty cool condition. The hour markers have a little bit of patina on it. It is even for the most part, if you look at the 12 and 11 and six o'clock hour markers, they're a little bit different in color. But again, for me, this the piece really, what speaks to me about this piece is the um, case and the design of the case. Um, and for me, it's a, a really beautiful example. It wouldn't be a auction season without a 1518 coming to auction. There is a lot number 103 at Phillips is a, is a yellow gold perpetual calendar chronograph reference 1518 from, from the manufacturer. I think the 1518 has been spoken about in, um, you know, at, at, at lengths. Um, there's, um, about 218 examples of the 1518, about 250, 281 examples of the 1518. It's believed that about 215 were made in yellow gold and 50 made in pink gold, four made in steel. Obviously, this has uh, incredible provenance. Every Patek Philippe uh, collector or collector in general is looking for something like this. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful example and um, and pretty desirable. I do think that there was maybe some polishing on the on the case. You can kind of see the lugs look a little bit curved. Um, dial in general is in, in pretty good condition. If you look at the hour markers, they're pretty even. 10 and 11 look a little bit diff a little bit lighter, but overall a uh, really strong, strong looking dial. And um, I mean, if you're looking for a 1518, there's uh, this is definitely something to consider. If you flip the watch over, the underside of the case actually has a little bit of oxidation, which is pretty cool. Um, looks really nice. The hallmark that is stamped into the lug is actually pretty, pretty visible. So, you know, if there was polishing on this watch, um, it's still in pretty good condition. I'm going to end the Geneva watch auctions, Geneva, the Philips Geneva watch auction with, um, a watch that I, I, it would be remiss if I, if I did not mention it. Lot 110 is an MBNF, um, Legacy Machine X. This was the watch that they released to celebrate the 10th anniversary of, of the Legacy Machines. Um, it really is a sight to be seen. It's one of 18 in 18 karat pink gold. Um, um, I love MBNF. And, and so what's, what's going to be interesting is the, the estimate for this piece, I think, is <laughs> extremely low. It's estimated to go between forty and 80000 if you look on the secondary market, the Legacy Machine ones that were released at the beginning of the of the, of the Legacy Machine line are kind of selling for around the sixty to seventy, or I'd say probably seventy to eighty mark, U.S. dollar right now, um, and so I think this is pretty low for the the technology that you're getting in this LMX. Um, again, they're probably trying to be conservative, but I do think it's going to go for more more than that. Um, so. Uh, exciting to see what this goes for and i think uh, for me it's just exciting to see the strength of a brand that i've i loved from basically the first moment i saw them um and i like to think that i've kind of supported mbnf uh, at life on the wrist for for a long time but i loved mbnf you know f um very early on in their existence um and so i don't know for me it's it's kind of like watching a and this is a stupid analogy but it's kind of like watching your kids succeed it's really nice to see a brand that you you've loved for a long time succeed moving on i'm going to talk through the um 
the uh, anti-quorum um, auction that's going to be taking place. There were some cool pieces. Again, I'm posting a lot of these on the um, on the on the Life Nurse Instagram page, so check that out. But one of the pieces that I that I haven't posted is the um, Patek Philippe reference twelve fifty two chameleon in yellow gold. Um, I don't think there are many examples of this that have been produced. I think it's extremely uh, it's an extremely rare Patek Philippe watch. But basically, what you've got is this this uh, um, I believe this was a lady's watch, but you have this bracelet that has a chameleon um, that wraps around your wrist and sits. Uh, the head of the chameleon kind of sits by the um, just above, just um, just above twelve o'clock. Um, these are extremely rare, uh, a very unique piece, and I think it kind of is in line with a lot of the. Um, like the Serpenti uh, style of watches, where you have these interesting um, bracelet designs um, that, that uh, companies are sort of releasing. Um, I think this watch is going to go for way more than what the estimate is. The estimated to go between fifty and 100,000 Swiss francs. I do think it's going to go for more, just based on the idea that, that this is an extremely unique piece from 1949. Time-only piece, uh, extremely sim simple dial. Dial is in fairly good condition. The crystal looks a little bit scuffed. I'm not sure if that's just the picture they took, but around the corners, it kind of looks a little bit scuffed. But in general, um, I think what you're getting, what you're getting with this watch is uh, a ridiculously rare um, uh, piece. This was purchased at a very. Sp uh, it's nice that Antiquarium sort of goes through this, but I'll, and I'll read their notes. Uh, purchased at a small auction house in the south of France over 30 years ago, we're proud to offer at auction the second only known reference, 1252, uh, the only other one being uh, at the Patek Philippe Museum under inventory number P107, um, representing a sculpted chameleon with its tail gracefully wrapped around the gold frame hinged in its middle, the first ever opportunity to acquire probably one of the most dec decorative and unusual ladies Patek Philippe watch. Uh, Patek Philippe ever created. This is clearly a, an exceptionally rare piece, and I think that's what's going to draw a lot of attention to this to this lot for for the Antiquorum auction. So check this out in the um, in the show notes. I, I I encourage you to do so. There's a really cool lot, uh, lot one uh, eighty five reference five seventy with a black dial. It's confirmed that this black dial reference five seventy. Um, was born with this piece in the in the extract from the archives. It was made in 1941 and sold uh, in 1941 as well. Black dial, yellow gold case, 18 karat yellow gold case with yellow gold uh, applied hour markers. You have numerals at 3, 9, and 12. Subseconds dial with leaf hands. Um, it really is an exceptional example. And the 570 is super, super desirable. Black dials are even more rare. Um, so I think this is probably going to attract um, some collectors uh, by, by, by far, um, especially those who like uh, like these, um, like black dials and like rare sort of Patek Philippe watches. This one is apparently the, the, the owner of a, this watch was owned by a German family apparently, so kind of cool to also sort of put that to, to, to the, um, put that in, in perspective. The last lot I want to talk about for Anticorum is a watch that I think I've spoken about at lengths, but there's a reference 1463 in pink gold with a pink gold dial. 
um, that's that's coming to auction. It's a really beautiful example. Um, looking at the images of it, the lugs look really sharp. Um, lugs look really sharp. Case overall looks looks pretty good. I haven't seen this in the flesh, but overall the case looks like it's in pretty good condition. You can see the differences in polishing on the case. So kind of optimistic about the the case originality. Dowel's in very very good condition as well. The pinkle looks absolutely amazing with the with the case. Um, so that's really um, a really nice um, a really nice uh, example if you are um, looking for that. It's known uh, scholars believe that only about one hundred and forty five of these examples were made in pink gold. So um, pretty rare, pretty rare too. <laughs> All right, uh, I know that this is probably going to be one of the longer um, episodes that we've released, but I hope this is at least entertaining in some way. I'm going to move on to Christie's. Um, Christie's is actually hosting uh, the Art of F.P. Journe, um, where they're going to be auctioning off a variety of F.P. Journe pieces. A lot of them are, a lot of these pieces are pretty rare, pretty desirable by collectors, and fairly unique with, with a lot of the, the ones that they're going to be offering. Um, I'm not going to go over any of the pieces, but I do encourage you to take a look at the auction if you are interested in F.P. Journe and what they are doing. I think it's another independent brand that's it's doing really well and getting a lot of recognition. I really hope that FP Join isn't going to get too hot where um, you see these brands that get a lot of attention and a lot of um, desire by collectors, but um, but then sort of fall off because of the, the hype around that, that specific um, brand. I don't think that's going to be the case with FP Join. I think there's a lot of substance um, in their brand and what they're producing. So don't think that's going to be a case, but um, I encourage you to check out uh, the art of FP Jordan hosting, being hosted by Christie's. Um, one of the other um, auctions they're going to have is is rare watches. Uh, this is obviously in um, in line with the the Phillips auctions. They've got some nice modern pieces, some nice vintage pieces as well. I'll talk through a couple of the pieces that really stood out to me. Um, there's a really beautiful uh, lot number 38 is a Laurent Ferrier stainless steel limited edition annual calendar wristwatch with power reserve indicator. It's a really nice blue dial with orange accents on it. Um, I think Laurent Ferrier is a, is a incredible watchmaker. I think he's gotten a lot of recognition, but I wanted to call this out because it, it's one of 10 pieces that were made in 20. This piece was made in 2021. Um, and a, an incredibly, in my opinion, unique sort of um, design, but has sort of a classic look to it. Um, I think this is one of the the modern pieces that I, I encourage you to you, you to check out for this specific auction. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens with lot number 64. 64 is a Cartier crash. Uh, that was manufactured in 1991. It's number 100 of 400. The Cartier crashes have been um, in the news or in the watch news um, quite a lot recently. Um, there was a really interesting... So so Cartier, there was some Cartier crash, crashes that went for in the millions, I think, last uh, late last year. But then there was one that... Um, that uh, sold at Phillips in New York in, uh, I want to say, November, December. That only went for about 300000 There was a lot of controversy. There's an Instagram account that um, sort of went into detail about why the, why the Cartier crash was a little bit suspect, felt a little bit off with, when you compared it to other crashes. 
But this one's from 1991. It's going to be interesting to see what this actually sells for. It's a, it is a limited of, of 400 pieces, but I think this will actually tell us, give us sort of like a pulse check on what um, what the market is feeling about vintage um, or about uh, Cartier watches. I think there's a lot of lot of interest in these pieces. If you look at the case, though, um, sort of towards the um, uh, I'd say where ten or eleven o'clock sort of is on the dot on the on the dial. If you look at the case, it does look like there's a little bit of I don't want to call it damage, but there's some some something happened with the case here. Um, I don't know if that's going to play into um, how this watch does at auction, but uh, it is uh, worth noting if you are interested in, in bidding on it. It's a beautiful piece though, so um, if you are looking for a crash, it's one that's coming up. Uh, lot 66 is <laughs> incredibly cool. So this is a Gigi Le Coultre, um triple calendar moon phase watch, but this isn't just any, this is a black dial version of this piece. From what I can tell, this dial is, 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 um, is original. I don't think Christie's sort of has confirmed any of this, but it's a beautiful black dial that comes with this, um, with this piece. The triple calendar moon phases from Gigi Le Coultre are extremely rare. I have, I, I think I've spoken about this and I've, I've covered a couple of these on, on the, on the channel, but what's incredible about these pieces, I think is this triple step case they have and these really cool long lugs that make this watch fit, um, or wear a little bit larger. Um, all, all the pieces that I've sort of come in contact with have had white dials. This watch has a black dial with these incredible numerals. Um, obviously, hour indicators 1 through 12 that have um, aged really nicely. You then have red text for the date around the outside of the dial and red text for the um, day of the week and the month um, below the Gégé de Coultre signature. The patine on this watch is really, really great. The case is really, really strong. This is such a unique Gégé de Coultre, and I, I um, really, really love it. So check out pictures of this, because I don't think you're going to see another Black Dial version of this um, anytime soon. I'm going to briefly talk about Lot 84 for Christie's. There is a Tiffany Blue Nautilus that's selling. Um, it's quite interesting to see this watch um, at auction. I don't know if this was an allocation piece or who's put this up for, for, for auction, um, but a Tiffany Blue, if you didn't know, there are about 170 of these made. I think it was 170. Uh, let me just make sure. Yeah, it's 170 of these pieces were made. Obviously, a couple have been sold, a couple have been spotted on people's wrists, but it is interesting that this one is at auction. I don't know what Patek Philippe is really thinking about this one being at auction. Um, you know, they did allocate this to some sort of Patek Philippe click they really like. This person might have gotten it for retail. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting that it's at auction. It's interesting what Patek Philippe is thinking about this. And I think it's going to be telling what this watch actually goes for. The estimate's two to four million Swiss francs. Um, but, you know, has the market cooled off? We'll have to see with this uh, with this lot. Lastly, for the Christie's auction, I wanted to talk about Lot 132. It's a really beautiful 2499. This is a watch that, for many collectors, is really considered the creme de la creme, the ultimate Patek Philippe watch that you can uh, own and enjoy. Overall, this, this watch is in really great condition. I want to say the, the case is probably unpolished. 
um, from from what I'm looking from what I can see from this piece. It's uh, a first series, which um, I think the, the there are other series that that collectors like more, but the first series is, is a really great uh, great watch. I think they figured out proportions eventually, but I think this is a great example of this piece. It's from 1953, um, and uh, yeah, what what more can you say about a twenty four ninety nine? Um, I think these are still gonna have strong results. They're hard to get your hands on. They're very very rare, and for many, is the ultimate the ultimate piece. Um, it comes from the original owner, which a lot of people are looking for nowadays when it, when they're um, trying to find uh, trying to find vintage watches they want to own. They really want people to they want you know original. Um, they want original owner pieces, and I think that's um, that is something that uh, that is desirable. And I think this this watch is a is a is a great example. Um, so uh, yeah, that that is uh, the Christie's Rare Watches auction. Again, there's links in the show notes to all these pieces. So check out the images as you kind of listen along for this podcast. All right, so Sotheby's is is our last. Um, is our last auction that we're going to talk about. They have their important watches auction. Um, that's super exciting. Uh, I'm going to talk through a couple of the, the lots here. Lot 9 is one I wanted to start with. This is a really cool reference 49503 from Vachon Constantin. It's from 1999, so on the modern side, but many people are starting to think that this is sort of neo-vintage. Um, this is a... Um, chronograph with a date complication at six o'clock um it's thought that 35 pieces were produced 10 pieces in yellow gold and 25 pieces in white gold this piece has a um a white gold case with um diamond with a diamond set um sort of outer bezel and diamond set hour markers I'm not really into diamonds with my with the watches that I that I typically collect, but I do think this was done fairly tastefully, and um, I think this is a nice way if you're trying to sort of dress, you know, if you're dressing up or if you're trying to find something that's sort of great for black tie. This is a really cool watch to add to a collection for this cream dial, beautiful through register chronograph. Um, the date is I don't know if I like the date or not. I. I could take it or leave it, but I do think it's a beautiful piece. Lot 23 is a really incredible Patek Philippe uh, gondolo in this really cool tonneau-shaped case from 1913. For me, what's really attractive about this piece is, one, the leaf hands, two, uh, the the sort of exploded numerals uh, on the dial of this piece. It's an 18-karat yellow gold from 1913, so uh, a really... Um, a really uh, historical piece from Patek Philippe and really, really beautiful. The gondolas were originally made as pocket watches, but they did make a couple of wristwatches that, that had this as well. Um, I absolutely love this piece. And if you look at the extract that does come with this piece, it was manufactured in 1913 and sold in 1924. Uh, the movement was made in 1913 and then cased uh, in 1924. So... Um, the, the, the movement kind of was, uh, was around a little bit longer than the, um, the case that this watch, uh, this watch came in. 
Lot 51 is a really cool uh, GMT Master Reference 6542 Captain Warren. Um, this watch is from 1958, and I actually wanted to talk about this piece because I think this is a really great example of how collectors are going to look at the patina of, of, of watches. So if you look at this piece, what you'll, you'll see is obviously some really great patina on the dial, the hour markers, the hands, and then the bezel. You see this really beautiful sort of aged um, tan yellow look to a lot of these pieces. But what is really interesting is how white, how stark white that's, that the second, hand, the second hand is. Now, if you do look at the, the end of the lollipop of this, this watch, it, that, the patina on that lollipop uh, round piece is quite in line with the, with the patina on the, um, patina on the, uh, um, on the hour markers. Um, but for collectors, that is something that they're going to be looking at and saying, you know, do I like the way that that looks? Another thing with this is that there, it looks like there's a little bit of age on the actual Rolex, um, the Rolex crown on the, on the dial. Um, and I think that might, uh, it attracts different types of collectors, whether they like it or not. Um, so I think this is a really cool example to look at, um, to to understand sort of the um the age of how how these pieces um how these pieces age now one thing that's very significant about this watch and i'll sort of read the extract as they they as um sotheby's has written it the present watch was made in 1958 and belonged to captain clarence warren jr as being offered for sale from his family. Born in 1917, Warren was recruited by Pan Am straight out of the military and became a captain with the airline at the young age of 25. Living in a small bubble of the Pan Am pilots and employed by Ridgefield in Ridgefield, Connecticut, Clarence very much embodied the slick jet-setting airline captain wearing airline captain wearing a Rolex and driving a Porsche 356. Warren was often requested by the White House by name to ferry the president, members of cabinet and the White House. Uh, press to various locations, such as in 1916 when he was asked to fly President Eisenhower to Hawaii, for whom he had met and flown several times over the course of his career. Earlier in 1959, when Pre Vice President Nixon visited the Soviet Union, White House, the White House requested Warren to pilot a nonstop New York to Moscow fl flight, which was considered a feat of, uh, which was considered a feat of passenger aviation. And the opportunity was not missed by uh, executives at Rolex. Speaking with a captain of, with the family of Captain Warren, they believed that the watch was given to him ahead of the flight by Rolex, which he then wore religiously when flying. In many cases, the present watch can be seen on Warren's wrist on in the 1959 Pan Am flies on Rolex Time advert, and is still viewable as the banner uh, on the Rolex website on the Conquering of the Skies page. In addition, the watch is known and ha has uh, been covered. So what makes this watch really, really significant is the fact that it was used heavily in uh, advertisement. It was worn by a person who, was, who, in who interacted and flew um, incredibly historic people in, in the history of the, the USA and um, was conquering these feats of, of, of great... Um, of, of honestly of greatness uh when it came to aviation so i don't know it's 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 a very significant piece 
in the history of 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 uh, the GMT of Pan Am of Rolex of so many different things, um, and uh, definitely one that I I wanted to call out um, here. A personal favorite watch of mine is a reference twenty five ninety seven from Tech Philippe, and that's what lot seventy two is. This is a really beautiful yellow gold twenty five ninety seven made in nineteen sixty. Uh, this piece is. These this reference was made was produced in the nineteen sixties, and um, really really minimal minimalistic uh, dial with hours and minutes uh, hours minutes and a sub seconds uh, register. Um, this is a very very uh, clean dial, but what you do have is these pushers that allow you to progress time forward uh, nicely. So, it's it's it truly is. Um, truly is an elegant uh, time-only piece and uh, one that has a very cool complication. When I look at the case, one of the things that also catches my attention is the fact that it looks like there's some oxidation on the lugs, especially on the right side of the case. That is something that, it's weird. I feel like I look for that in cases now, um, but uh, um, it's, not, it's not the only thing that I look at when I'm, when I'm looking for watches. Last watch I want to talk about is a really beautiful reference 98 Rolex Paralone, reference 8171 in yellow gold from 1950. One of the things I, I liked about this piece is actually the patina on the dial. It's fairly consistent. Um, it's fairly consistent, very, very desirable um, reference from, from Rolex, but the patina on the dial is really even and um, makes you feel really good about um, sort of the originality of this piece. Obviously, you've got a 38 millimeter case, which is an extremely wearable watch um, during this time, uh, you know, during sort of modern times with a triple calendar moon phase complications, or complication that, that Rolex put in this piece. Um, apparently, this watch uh, belonged to the consigner's father and was purchased as a wedding gift in 1949 by his grandparents. Um, or one of his grandparents, who was a watchmaker. Um, so that's really a really cool story that kind of comes along with this piece. According to research, there were about 350 cases that were produced in yellow, in yellow gold um, for, the, for this reference. Uh, there, th this reference did come in yellow gold, pink gold, and stainless steel. Um, so there, are, um, there are, are the ones. This one is um, number 115, uh, which... Uh, indicates it's sort of uh let's say halfway through the through the, the the production of these of these pieces but for me the patina is incredible and um the story that comes with it is also really great so that ends sort of the some of the highlights that i wanted to mention for this podcast be sure to check out the show notes so you can check out some of these lots i hope to see some of you guys at these auctions and, and maybe some of you are going to be bidding uh, I, I look forward to, to seeing how these how these watches do and and how the the, the market is, is is doing it's always great to have the summer auction season roll around so i'm pretty excited about that if you are new to life in the wrist be sure to subscribe to this podcast um cover a range of topics when it when it comes to watches um it's really a, a fun way of sort of talking about watches if you have any thoughts about some of these lots or want to want to want to chat about um some of these auctions that are coming up you can hit us up on our social medias or you can send us an email um, our email is on our website. Go to lifeinthereast.com to check that out.
if you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind reading this podcast, you really just help me out. With this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and until next time.